Around the world, scientists and entrepreneurs are integrating abundant renewable energy to invent a better future that is healthier and more affordable. That's all good news for the planet. This is Entrepreneurial Journeys, a podcast about entrepreneurs providing solutions to social and environmental challenges across the world. My name is Emma Kloppert, and over the next episodes, I'm going to take you on a global tour to meet these impact entrepreneurs from the cities of Central Africa to the coasts of Europe. How have their companies been built? Which problems are they trying to solve? And what are the honest personal stories behind them? In the last episode of this season, my guest is Tessa Duster, co-founder of Makers of Sustainable Spaces, or MOSS, a green architectural firm focused on high-impact designs with a big mission to regreen our cities. Just after finishing university, Tess knew her life would be one of an entrepreneur. We had an eye-opening conversation about choosing a different path, difficult moments, but most of all, bringing back nature in these concrete jungles we live in all across the world. We need to do it, actually. We need to bring it back, nature. I have this, still this vision in my head, still this ideal city. I know that um, in a way you can look at the future and say, okay, this is probably where it's going. But as a designer, you have the tools and the uh, possibilities to actually mold that future. Soon you will hear all about Tessa's entrepreneurial journey. But first we talk with an expert about the opportunities that lie ahead and the challenges we have to face. And just as in our last episode, I had a phone call with Stientje van Veldhoven. My name is Stientje van Veldhoven and I am Vice President at the World Resources Institute. Based in The Hague, I'm also the Director for our European activities. So what I wanted to know from Stientje was, why is it so important to regreen our cities? That was actually a very short uh, answer to the question why it's important to regreen our cities. And that is because the world population is moving to town. Um, we are going towards 10 billion people and the majority of those people will be uh, moving, will be living in cities. Um, so the cities are growing and so they become hotspots really of both the problems, but also the parts where you can have, a, where you can find solutions. Um, 75% of energy related emissions come from cities. 70% of city dwellers actually lack reliable access to at least housing, water, electricity. Congestion uh, takes away uh, percentages of GDP. So cities are a place where climate action tends to, to concentrate, uh, whether it's transportation, energy, housing and waste. And so greening cities uh, is low-hanging fruit. And within those cities, which areas of change would you say are most crucial? Well, actually, in all of those, uh, all of those areas, so greening uh, transportation, greening housing, but I think uh, and greening the energy use, of course, but one of the elements that is, I think, only starting to emerge is literal greening of cities. The role that really um, uh, nature in cities can contribute to lowering um, to lowering the problems that we're facing because of climate change, think about heat, Think about the need to retain water. Um, nature in cities can actually make cities livable areas. So um, it's 
as much about transport, it's about housing, uh, it's about energy, but it's also about literally greening our cities. Someone who has this clear goal of regreening urban areas is Tessa Duste. Together with her team at Moss, they create green oasis in and on top of buildings. With more and more people leaving the countryside behind, we have to make sure that we don't lose our connection with nature. Tess grew up in several countries, studied industrial engineering in the Netherlands, started her entrepreneurial journey at a very young age and hasn't been distracted from her mission ever since. Sometimes some failures, but mainly with success. With around 35 projects a year in over 10 countries and clients as Booking.com and Uber. Before my conversation with Tess steered towards building the company, we talked about her recent adventure, where she looked nature straight in the eye. Tess, I'm very happy to have you here. Um, I think we should start with an adventure that you've just been on. You just came back from climbing the Kilimanjaro in Tanzania. Um, could you share a bit about how that experience was for you? That was a pretty intense experience. Yeah, It was a physical challenge, but also mentally and emotionally as well. Mm-hmm. I did it together with my brother, which was uh, um, yeah, very nice. It was a, our first trip really together. Um, and unfortunately, so it was a six-day trip and it was beautiful. We were just immersed in nature. Um, every day there was a different scenery. Um, the views, of course, are amazing. It's physically challenging, but in a good way. So you come back to the basis. Basis of who you are, why you're here, what is nature for you. Um, that connection, that direct connection with with that environment, with nature, so important. Um, but unfortunately, the last night when you have to climb uh, to the top, I got uh, altitude sickness. Mm. So we woke up at uh, 12.30. Um, and uh, at, or no, at 11.30 and 12.30, we had to go up to the summit. And we reached the summit at 10 o'clock in the morning so the entire night we were walking oh my gosh wow. and and yeah I was like completely like my body said no like every half hour <laughs> so it was a mental challenge but finally we made it and there was no moment that I thought I'm gonna quit and my brother was super supportive so that was also good and then when you reach the summit that's the m- most incredible feeling Going back to the basics can also create room for reflection. Did it set any thoughts in motion for you? I think it reflected, it gave me another push in the direction that we need to find our connection with nature, that we need to reflect on that, how we're living at the current moment uh, in the world. And that nature is such a big part of us, that we are part of nature, actually. Um And so that was uh, confirming, in a way, that we're on the right track. Yeah. So you did the the climb with your brother. Uh, you also grew up together. Before we really start the interview, I always like to understand a bit more of what shaped you as a person um, and as an entrepreneur as well. 
What do you recall from um, from growing up? Yeah, my brother and me, we grow we grew up in um, a f- adventurous family, so we traveled a lot. Um, we lived in multiple countries before the age of uh, for my brother before the age of ten, for me for the age of uh, six, um, and that set a bit the tone for the rest of my life. So what was in a learning from that is that we saw the world or saw our view of the world was a bit broader maybe than if you just grow up in one country or maybe in one city even. Um, And these were also countries that you wouldn't visit that easily. So there was Egypt, Oman, uh, Scotland. Um, And this really helped me to sort of define or to sort of see the world as a bigger thing and that there are multiple cultures, that there are also different ways of living and that our educational, you know, possibilities or our, uh, the way we grow up, that that's maybe not normal. No, privilege. It's privilege, yeah. yeah. So eventually, after all those adventures, you uh, decide to start studying in Delft, um, uh, a student city in the Netherlands. Um, it was already during that time that the first steps onto the road of entrepreneurship were taken. Uh, could you take us along a bit in those in that first phase of of setting up the company? I studied industrial engineering, and it is a very I love that study because it's a combination between technical. It's a technical study, but with a creative touch. I really thought about okay, what is my vision? for the future and in what type of world do I want to live in and do I want to design for? And how did that translate into the start of Makers of Sustainable Spaces, the company you founded? Of course, there were some roadblocks and things along the way. So it's never a straight line, right? So I I, um, graduated first in automotive engineering and I thought, okay, this is going to be my path. I'm going to design electrical cars for the future. And and that was, is still a very interesting field. But during my um, graduation at a big uh, German uh, company, I I felt like I couldn't really see my impact. It's a big company. It's a big product, of course. So whenever you design something for uh, for that, or you want to make impact in such a field, you, you're either 10 years further or um, you don't make impact at all. You don't see it. So I didn't want to work in this type of company. And I thought, okay, if I want to create impact, if I want to design something and see the, the, the results of my labor, then the best thing to do is to start my own business. So at that same moment, there was an opportunity um, that came along. My my stepdad, we had a conversation. He has a, a roofing company. And he asked me to join a brainstorm session about how to make his company more sustainable. And I asked my partner, uh, current partner still, uh, Nina, to join. So we were brainstorming about it. And we had all these big ideas, right? Uh, you have to change your entire design language and your communication and your name, you know, right? So um, so he said, okay, well, um, if, if you know so well what to do, why don't you do it yourself? 
And at that moment, I didn't have, you know, I was still graduating. I thought, well, why not? Let's just start and see where it ends. And in one year, I'll have an evaluation, evaluation, and we'll see if, if this is going into the right direction. Yeah. So that's what, what that's we did. That's how it all started. That's how it all started. Many people uh, follow a more standard corporate career after studying. How did you at the time relate to your social environment? Did you feel that they understood and supported what you were doing at the time? Um, that's a good question. I think um, they understood for a year, maybe. <laughs> and then afterwards they were a bit like, okay, well, you know, how? when are you going to make that uh, million or when are you going to do this or... Um, when are you going to buy a house, right? So there are also, of course, disadvantages of not being... But I never had the feeling that I couldn't do things that I, that they were doing that I couldn't do. So that was... Yeah, not there wasn't really a difference in that sense. But yeah, the big career, as many have that, that was, of course, different. I had to build everything myself or together with my partner, so... Tess was a very young woman, at 23, when she and her co-founder Nina Sikenga started the company. Back in 2013, she tells me, role models were hard to find in her direct environment. But what you can't find, you can create. Along the way, we set up actually a female founders group. So um, that was one of the reasons also why we did it. I participated in a TEDx um, a women award uh, won that where we were the finalists and um, together with that group with the group of women that we met there we set up this group so we could actually um, relate so you built your own support we, system exactly at the time. exactly yeah um, so you pushed through and you're still sitting here so many years uh, after um, could you Tell us what exactly it is that you are currently doing with the company. Yes, so Moss is a green architectural firm. Um, so we design and bring back nature in our built environment. And in that sense, we um, try to solve um, some current issues that we have. Our work is mostly in city environment. Um, so um, it has a Bringing back nature, bringing back green in our built environment um, is positive for stormwater mitigation. Um, we bring back biodiversity by doing that. We uh, work against the urban heat effect, so our cities are getting warmer and nature can help to reduce that. It also works um, uh, for nuisance, so for sound absorption. Um, so there are a lot of positive effects that we can do by bringing back nature on like city level, but if we talk about personal, um, on, on human scale, um, it also brings social cohesion. Um, we um, we see that there's a positive effect on our well-being, on our mental health. Um, and that's only if we talk about outdoors, but now our projects are more and more also uh, going indoors. So big... Um, office buildings where there are 
urban jungles inside where you have rooftops, where you can have a nature walk through urban your buildings. Sounds exciting. Yeah. <laughs> um, could you, to get a bit more concrete, share one of the projects you've been doing that you're that you're proud of to give us an idea of what it is that you do? Yes, of course. So um, we've been working for uh, big companies like Booking.com, uh, where they will now... Um, launch their or soon their new headquarters and in these type of projects we um, integrate green as a sort of um, additional layer right so you have interior designers or interior architects or exterior architects we work together with them and we design that green layer on top of the entire building plan so we start with a master plan and then following up um, we look for um, solutions where plans can be integrated in a way that um, it can be beneficial for the work environment or for the building. Um, so that is one of the current projects that is now being built. But we've also worked on a biodome in Iceland. Ooh, and what does that entail? A biodome is really, it's a world on itself. It's a um, living landscape where you have multiple domes. So it's literally can be a round shape or it can also have uh, different shapes but um, it's a, a climate where you have um, a big variety of plants of species where the main purpose is to showcase nature to connect people with nature um, uh, where you can walk around where you can indulge yourself in um, yeah in the in connecting with um, with with greenery, with nature, with um, animals. Um, so this is one of, yeah, this is a big project. Yeah. <laughs> one of the biggest projects. Yeah, yeah it sounds very exciting. Um, let's zoom out a little. So it's clear what you do and you're contributing to regreening our cities. Um, I'm curious to hear a bit more about your vision on greener cities. Yeah, I know that... Um, I think 50% of people are living in cities, whereas over 80% of our greenhouse gas emissions come from cities. So there is a lot of work to be done in these concrete um, jungles that we live in. What is your vision on the city of the future? Yeah. So indeed, you're, you talk about urbanization. I think if we look into two th 2050 or onwards, it's going to be even more. So now we live with 50, but it's going to be 68 or even more than that. And we spend 90% of our time indoors. Um, if you look at the loss of biodiversity, if you look at urbanization, if you look at indeed people spending a lot of time indoors, that connection with nature is getting lost. We spend 90% of our time indoors? On average, yeah. Of course, not everyone, but on average, yes. So once, if we combine that, the connection that we are talking about, um, the connection between us and nature is, is losing its ground. And if you look back in the last two years we had, especially also with the pandemic, you see that there's an urge for reconnection. There is an urge to feel something that is part of us, right? And a walk through nature, walk through the forest can really help us to become calmer, um, to deal with the hustle and bustle of the city. And um, so this city of the future for me 
would be a city where people, nature and insects or animals can live in harmony. Integrating nature and designing greener buildings are crucial in creating the cities of the future. But it goes even further. We need to look at how we deal with our water, materials, what type of light and energy we're using, creating bridges to create pathways for nature or people, biodiversity, transport. Of course, if you have a social company, the social mission is very important. Um, but a business model behind it is just as important. Um, could you share a bit about your business model? Yeah. So actually, we're also transforming, right? So um, at this moment, we're a design um, um, agency, so we're an architectural firm. Uh, so we do project-based uh, assignments. Um, that varies from big design, uh, like sketching to, um, for, well, it goes from concept design, preliminary design to final design. And then we have consultancy projects as well. So this is like an hourly base um, uh, rate, right? Yeah. So it's a very simple business model. Um, but of course, we're looking at multiple ways to um, spread that um, base of income to create a sort of recurring income in having less stress or having less uh, focus on the design projects and your hours that, that your team uh, is making. Um, and this also aligns with our a bit of the vision that we have. Um, so what we've seen is that green architecture, maybe that's also good to explain, it's a very... It's a new market. It's a niche market. It's something that is in development. We're one of the pioneers in this field. Um, not in the Netherlands only, but worldwide. So there's also, you know, a lot of things that we still need to discover. Mm -hmm. And there's also still a lot of knowledge that is missing. And we notice that especially with educational, with like young people. Um it's difficult for us to find people that actually have the knowledge that we require to do our project. So we need to train them, we need to find them, scout them, train them, and then and then we can uh, work together. So um, we're working on an educational program um, to look at like what is uh, green architecture and how can you integrate it in your own projects mm -hmm, for yeah. architects, designers, students to also look at to increase actually that impact that we're making to make sure that we see then our projects that we're doing as an inspiration for the environment for for the rest of the world to see that green architecture is possible that it's not something to be afraid of and then we create an educational platform for um to showcase that we have you know uh, the expertise and that you can sort of uh, become part of that mission by yeah. so you also use your project as showcases to create awareness and tell the story exactly. of greener cities exactly. um, but of course if you want to make impact scalability is Im important as well exactly yeah what is your view on that is is it is this scalable um the designs uh the design uh firm we have in the netherlands of course you can grow organically in a way uh, we were uh, looking at uh, setting up different offices in the rest of the world. Uh, so we've been talking with uh, business developers in um, Australia, the US, South Africa and Asia. 
um, to see where they are at the moment in relation to this topic of green architecture. Um, and it, does it make sense for us to go there? Yeah. Um, so I think whenever we can grow like that, um, multiple branches, we can definitely um, scale up. Yeah. Um, but we want to do it in a proper way. We ha- we as in it should make sense that we are doing business there. I think this is a good moment to um, get the voices of some of your international partner into the conversation as well. Uh, because we think it's important to also show the power of pioneers working together all across the world on the same mission. Let's have a listen. Hi, Emma. My name is Monica Daly. I'm a design director originally from Australia, but have chosen to base myself in Amsterdam. I'm currently working for Studio Drift, providing expertise across the creative and cultural sector, where I I foster art and design partnerships and lead a diverse team of all kinds of creatives. I also have a number of international consultancy projects on the go, which is how I first met Tessa and her incredible team at Moss. We are both really passionate about exploring new ways to enhance the places we inhabit and foster thriving communities. So it's been an absolute pleasure working with Tessa to assist on international business strategy and future project growth in new regions for Moss. In fact, we are very excited to be working on Moss's first project in the US together. And I'm very proud to be contributing to innovative spaces that connect nature and technology with the human experience. As one of Tessa's biggest fans, I can't wait to see what she does next. Oh, wow. What does it do to you listening to this? Yeah, that's incredible to hear. She's a force herself, so it's really very uh, flattering and honoring that she that she says that, yeah. Because what is the role for those kind of partnerships? Because you work together with all different kind of stakeholders. What is the role of those partnerships to you? So we look at, um, explora- we're doing explorations in other countries. Uh, we do research together on what is the current state of green architecture in that field. Is there already space for us? For example, we've been working with RVO to look at expansion possibilities in uh, other countries. And then uh, with their network, um, we try to um, expand business there. Which country would you say is ahead of the curve in this field? You see a lot of things happening in Singapore. Yeah. Of course, that's an interesting climate as well. I mean, you can have an urban jungle everywhere. Um, you see a lot of things happening in Milan. Um, it started there with the Bosco Verticale, which is a very... Uh, yeah, popular and interesting project of which everyone said it's never going to work and it's still there and it's thriving and it's very interesting to to see what that meant for our business, for our, our field. Uh, but actually the Netherlands is quite far as well. And uh, if, if you see it, if you compare it to other countries in Europe, where, well, then maybe together with Milan or, yeah, I say Milan because that's actually the only city where they have the most of uh, green architecture. Um, We're ahead of the curve. And that was also interesting for me to find in these researches is that uh, Europe in that sense or um, the Netherlands and Germany is also very good in in, uh, in the development uh, was already 
there we are yeah in that sense we're doing well we're doing well yeah that's good to hear yeah. um tess as we spoke about you started um your entrepreneurial journey at a very young age so you have quite literally grown with the company looking back at your own personal development what would you say is the biggest development you went through during all those years well you learn from successes but i guess you learn more from failures <laughs> and we had some failures as well <laughs> <You had a> few. <laughs> um and i think um indeed what you say i think the comparison between business and personal growth is a very good one um because during these failures and um i will explain a bit more about what that means but i found resilience in myself and uh thankfully i also have a very um an good partner that i work with so we're the two of us have a co-founder Nina who's um together makes all the difference as well if you if you would do it by yourself it would be a totally different experience i guess um but in those moments where it was hard when it was tough um could you share an example of one of those yeah, moments in which course. it was tough so we um During this entrepreneurial journey, um, we started with the design uh, company that is currently Moss. It had a different name at the beginning. Um, then we, uh, three or four years later, we also started a separate company, which was more uh, focused on urban farming and food production in, uh, in cities um, and especially on rooftops. And finally, we uh, worked together with an indoor farm in uh, Amsterdam West. Um, we produced herbs for restaurants and hotels. And then uh, at the start of COVID, um, almost 95% of our yeah, uh, revenue market. and of our market um, collapsed or wasn't existing anymore. And we had... Um, investors in that company and we had a different partner as well and at that moment we had to make the decision to separate um, due to multiple reasons and separating I mean coming together and aligning on a vision and saying we're going to collaborate is much more easy than saying okay we're going to end this relationship but it's because it is a relationship in a way mm -hmm. um, so that That took some time. That took a lot of sleepless nights as well. Um, What's the most important lesson you took out of that? Well, first of all, it really sharpened the relationship I have with my current partner. Um, we saw, um, we found each other in that moment of pain, or how do you say yeah. that? A moment of low point. Yeah, in that low point, that was really helpful and I and we also got a lot of help from friends and families and uh, business partners or the female founder group or so that was that was really heartwarming to see um, and in the end also the uh, we learned how to be what it means to um, negotiate <laughs> uh, what it means to separate as a business how that professionally goes um, so there were a lot of learning points there were a lot of uh, 
moments there I thought, okay, this is this is definitely going to help me further. Um, and we took some time after that to also align and to take some rest of everything that happened. Yeah. Um, I think there was a bit of a shift when that happened. Um, what I experienced was that there was too much going on, right? We had too much balls that we were up, uh, holding up in the there air. There wasn't enough focus. There wasn't direction. enough focus. And now we have focus. So, And you see what comes from that. So it brought some, something good, but you had to learn the hard way. Exactly. <laughs> and looking at your own personal development these days, yeah, you're, you're leading a company. Um, what would you say is the main thing that you're still working on now as a leader? Yeah, I think um, finding time at the moment, we're quite busy with the day-to-day -day business. Um, how can you grow, go into the next phase where your presence is less... Um, mandatory where you can have a team that works um, autonomous in a way where you can find more time to collaborate to grow uh, to work on the strategy and uh, this last year have has been really helpful for that we found peace we found uh, a good base of projects of network our network that you know um, meant that we had ongoing projects and yeah. um So this, and um, yeah, autonomous. See this next phase growing into um, a company that has multiple income streams. Um, yeah, that's going to be the most uh, challenging, or that's going to be our focus. Let yeah. me say it like that. And personally, for you as a leader, what is it? What does that mean for you? It means that I should let go sometimes. Ah, yeah. <laughs> that I have to trust the team of doing the job correctly, uh, giving them the freedom that they need to grow. Do you find that difficult? I find it more and more easy to do it. Uh, also because I've been working with the team now for multiple years and I have, we have so much experience together and I, I feel very, I, you know, I can count on them. I know that. Um, so it's getting easier. Yeah. But in the beginning it was difficult. Definitely. Sort of control uh, freak. Right? Control freak. <laughs> yeah. That's hard to break down. Yeah. <laughs> um, Tess, what are we going to see of Moss in the next years? Where's your focus going to be? Expansion in um, the rest of the world. So indeed, we started our own, uh, the the first project in the US. So that's really exciting. Um, Very. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Um, we have projects running in, in Europe. So we're just going to keep on doing that right so that's that's definitely um something that we can uphold um i talked about an educational platform i talked to uh, so we're gonna also work on that um we're gonna focus on research as well um so in a developing market like this research is very important to also explain to our clients why it is important to bring back nature yeah um, also as a sort of return on investment right Um, so this is all internally for Moss. I, I see there is a lot of 
it's a growing market. It's a growing interest. We need to do it, actually. We need to bring it back, nature. Um, so that's going to help us grow. For me personally, um, I have this, still this vision in my head, still this ideal city of what it would look like. And it can this can sort of be about that um, balance between nature and, and people, but it can also be broader than that. And I think everything as an entrepreneur and as someone that has too many ideas to work on, um, there's going to be new ideas and there's going to be new possibilities in the near future. And I want to have space for that to be able to look which one would be fitting and which one would be in line um, with uh, my vision, with our vision um, that we can work on. While you're explaining this to me, you're staring into the distance of the studio. It's as if you can already <laughs> see that city in front of you. Yes, yes. Is that how it feels? Yes, yes. I think um, what I learned from going back to that development as a student there was a one moment where I knew where there was also a mind shift I knew that um, in a way you can look at the future and say okay this is probably where it's going but as a designer you have the tools and the uh, possibilities to actually mold that future to create it to be able to create products, create services, create ideas that can inspire people, that can motivate people, that can bring people together um, in line with that vision you have. So you can actually steer it a bit, right? Yeah. And that's really exciting. Would you say you're going to dedicate the rest of your life to that vision? Definitely. Wow. Yeah. That's beautiful. Um, thank you so much for being my guest. It was a very inspiring conversation and I wish you all the best. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. This podcast is powered by the Ministry of Foreign Affairs of the Netherlands and the Netherlands Enterprise Agency. For more information about how they can help you propel your business forward, please visit rvo.nl.